Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. And I'm Ajah Ali. And Waj, 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 there have been things bubbling up in your heart and on your mind. And I want to give you the floor to air out the grievances that I share, but you articulate them so, so very well. Uh, yes, it's just Festivus, but it's Festivus for a good cause because we don't like to BS. I like to name and air the hypocrisy and the double standards. And we like to warn people. And as we've said before, Danielle, that uh, uh, you and me, we're like the brown and black Paul Revere. Instead of being <laughs> rewarded by America, we'd get like shot and killed. They're like, the British are coming. They're like, ah, it's a black and a brown. Kill them. Like, after they shoot us, we're like, just trying to save to you. help. Uh, yeah, right. You, uh, you have been out of pocket for two days because you have been hosting amazing things. Tell us <laughs> about the awesome event that you hosted last night. Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I had the extraordinary honor of hosting the Ms. Foundation for Women's 50th uh, anniversary celebration uh, with their Women of Vision Awards. And it was truly an extraordinary night. Uh, with some of the amazing visionaries like Latasha Brown from Black Votes Matter to uh, young upstarts um, like Olivia Juliana uh, and uh, Brianna uh, Brizahoff, who are just Gen Z people that wow. are making me feel like, oh, okay, this generation is about it. They are about this work. Uh, Olivia Juliana was the young woman who Matt Gates body shamed. And then mm. she turned his body shaming into raising $2 million for repo justice uh, and repo rights. Um, Brianna Brizahoff is a young trans uh, teen who is on the front lines fighting for, um, for trans kids to be able to be kids. Um, and just to see these 20 something and this teenager doing the work at their age and so clear and have so much courage and conviction. Um, it really gave, it really re-energized me. So I thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to mention it. And, oh, I also got to shake the hand and, uh, take a photo with, um, the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, who was also absolutely a brilliant, 
um, in her remarks as well. And and and, and some breaking news just today: uh, yeah, uh, Meghan Markle and her husband Harry apparently survived what could have been a fatal yep. car crash because they were trying to outrun paparazzi. And for those of you who forget, this is how Harry's mother died. Princess Diana yes. died because they were trying to outrun paparazzi and then there was a car accident. And so speaking about trauma, uh, but uh, this is why Danielle was slightly out of pocket doing important things. But <laughs> thankfully, there was me, the masochist, who was paying attention <laughs> to the, the the fire hose of bullshit. And then I, and I asked Danielle, I'm like, so did you see what uh, Elon Musk said? She goes, tell me. And so oh, yeah. allow me, <laughs> I don't know. allow me to get some stuff off my chest. So yesterday, Please. Uh, Tuesday night, as we're recording this on Wednesday, uh, on CNBC, another weak sauce softball interview, because those are the only interviews that corporate media can do against Elon Musk. But thankfully, there was slight pushback where the interview, David Farber, asked Elon Musk, so Elon Musk, why did you get on Twitter and repeat the anti-Semitic deep state conspiracy about George Soros and compared the, the American-Hungarian billionaire to the Marvel, Marvel super supervillain Magneto? Uh, and say that he wants to erode the very fab fabric of civilization and that he hates humanity. Uh, this 92-year-old Hungarian-American Jew who used his billions of dollars to actually help society, and by the way, who survived the Holocaust. And Elon Musk, in one of the most uncomfortably long silences, I think it was like 12 seconds. They, it was Daniel. 12 seconds I saw. It was, it, it was so painful. Seconds. He doubled down on it. He said, well, I think that's my opinion. Uh, and it's true. Uh, and furthermore, he said, well, if there's consequences, then so be it. And then to make it worse, uh, in addition to also mocking people who work from home and calling it bullshit, uh, when it came to the uh, neo-Nazi killer who killed eight people in Dallas, Texas recently, who, by the way, on social media, posted all of his hateful rants and has a tattoo, Danielle, of a swastika on his chest. And, and the size of, people, I think, like a small puppy. So yeah, <laughs> there yeah. you go. And, and also, in case, you know, people were like a little bit confused by uh, just just to make it sure that he wasn't being subtle. He has two SS lightning bolts on his arm. Right. Uh, Musk goes off to say, well, I don't know if he's a white nationalist. And then you know, talks about psyops and conspiracy theories. So here we are. And I'm sitting here thinking to myself, and it reminds me of Donald Trump. If it acts like a racist. Talks like a racist, tweets like a racist, supports other racists, uh, and, and is emboldened and, and uh, celebrated by racists. Then what does that make that person, Danielle? Um, hold on, let me think. I know this is a trick question. Uh, a racist. And why, why, why are we so loath to call out Elon Musk? I mean, we he has shown himself time and time again. And by the way, I will say. In his defense, I can't believe you said this, but in the interview, you said, I'm pro-Semite. And what yet I think- What does that actually mean? You tell me. I have never, I've literally, you know, I'm not up on all the lingo. I have no idea what that means. He's pro-Semite. He's pro-bagels and schmear. <laughs> It's one of those oh things where God. we laugh, Danielle, but the reason I'm bringing this up, folks, this guy owns Twitter, and he's yeah. talking about free speech, but there is a, I don't know if you all have been paying attention, a consequential election in Turkey right now, 
And because he does business with Turkey, he was per perfectly fine silencing some critics on Twitter who are critical of Erdogan, the authoritarian leader of Turkey, right? So it's safe space for me, no safe space for you. He sided up with authoritarians. He was sitting with the Saudis at the World Cup. He loves the Trumpers and the MAGA and the white nationalists. And by the way, there's an election coming up in 2024. And yet we laugh, we normalize, and we don't call something for what it is. Am I being too hyperbolic in my concern here? No, because, I mean, the reality is, look, um, uh, the, the phrase white people are going to white comes to my mind when I think about why don't white journalists ask Elon Musk and Donald Trump about obvious shit like, oh, so you don't know if the man is a white nationalist. So what does a SWAT stick a tattoo mean to you then would be a, you know, a, a 101 high school journalism follow up question that anyone right. would ask. So then if it's if it isn't a manifesto, if it isn't uh, putting up racist rants, if it isn't tattooing your body with uh, with SWAT stickers, if it isn't doing all, if that's not white nationalism, then please, sir, do define for me what you believe white nationalism looks like. Mm. Tell me. Because these are the things, and, and, and when I say white people whiting, I, I genuinely mean that. Because it is white journalists in the mainstream that are so afraid of actually calling a spade a fucking spade. If, you just said, if it walks like a racist and talks like a racist, why aren't we just saying that? Oh, hmm. because then they want to say, well, I don't know what's in that person's heart. I don't need to know what's in Elon Musk's heart. I need to know the policies that he has either rolled back a race or instituted in order to create safe spaces for bigots and make the rest and silence the rest of us. I don't need for him to wear a shirt that says I am a racist to know that you support, enable and celebrate racist ideology. So we do ourselves a disservice by playing these mental gymnastics that are mm. unnecessary rather mm. than getting to the there there of the issue. But I'm not Ben Carson either. I can't see what's in his heart. <laughs> I'm not God. I don't know his intentions. I can only judge people from their actions. And speaking about these actions, it's the double standards that also bother me. Uh, the double standards that elevate whiteness and give whiteness a permanent get-out-of-jail-free card. Can you imagine, Danielle, what would have happened if Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar would have said any of this? Can you imagine? I mean, they... <laughs> just and this is the thing this is the thing right and i'm so glad that you brought this up because let me tell you something when democrats have a misstep in words boy aren't we ready to bring them to the gallows that we have built aren't we ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater and make it so these people are never welcomed inside of the democratic party the way that ilan omar was shamed for saying the truth about the quote unquote conflict in Israel and Palestine, the way that she was shamed, the way that we have seen, and I know we're gonna get to this, other journalists of color dismissed for telling the truth about issues of social, racial, and religious injustice and making obvious comparisons, but white people wanna turn the other cheek. And I think that it is just so important because my mother consistently says to me, Danielle, why are Democrats so hell bent on eating their own? Why are they so <laughs> hell bent on that? She goes, 
you know, I watched these Republicans circle the ra- circle the wagons for named sexual assaulters, for mm. known grifters, for charged thieves, mm. right? Known anti-Semites and racists, circle the wagons for them and say, no, that's my boy. I'm standing by him. And the minute that there is a misstep or an Al Franken situation, then, mm. oh, we throw, we throw those people out. Yeah, and, we, we and bring, attack them and attack them harder than we would than we allow the right even to. Ilhan Omar is still apo- apologizing for that tweet years later, even after she's gotten death threats, even after uh, Donald Trump stood in front of an adoring crowd that said, "Send them back, send them back," and she got thrown under the bus from Democratic leadership, right? But here we have Elon Musk. They refuse to call him a racist. They still refuse to call him anti-Semitic. That reporter was like, "I'm." I, I'm, a, I'm sure you, you have nothing against Jews. How do you know? How, like, how do you know? Why do they get this deferential treatment, these double standards, right? It reminds me of the allergy that so many of our colleagues, especially our white colleagues have, to still calling Trump a racist. Oh, he had a racial flare-up. I'm like, no, he's racist. And the- <laughs> It's like, it wasn't a pimple. It wasn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you couldn't get whitewashed from long drugs or CVS. Like, uh, maybe he's racist. And the reason- why we have to bring this up is because of the consequences. I've always said the reason why they can engage in in these mental gymnastics in this game of taboo is because it does not affect them, their communities, their families, or their kids like it affects the rest of us. And speaking about the double standards that are at play, just today, as we're recording this, Caitlin Collins, whom you all remember from last week from CNN, she moderated that shit show uh, of a Trump town hall. She got Mm -hmm. elevated to the 9 p.m. slot, which used to be Chris Cuomo's slot. Uh, apparently, CNN is okay with some people engaging in sexual harassment or covering it up, especially if their name is Trump. But I digress. My take on this is the following. Caitlin Collins, folks, came into media from college at the Daily Caller. The Daily Caller has always been a hub of white nationalist rhetoric. It's Tucker Carlson's website, anti-black, anti-immigrant, Islamophobic, you name it, right? That's what it's always been. She was young. She gets in there right out of college, right? Uh, And this is what she did at Daily Caller. In 2015, Mm. she did a listicle during the Syrian refugee crisis. 13 Syrian refugees we take immediately. And all of them were women who she said was, quote, seriously hot. That's what she did. Just making fun of them, right? In 2014, she was responsible for another listicle, Ice Bucket Challenge Hipsters. These Guantanamo detainees did it first. All of the pictures and those listicles, by the way, have uh, been snubbed out, but we still know. We still have the evidence, right? And, and in 2016, on CNN, while she was working at Daily Caller, she goes on CNN, Danielle, and she says the following. Everything goes full circle. Quote, George Soros is this foreign-born left-wing guy who essentially wants to change the nature of our country. He is a staunch advocate for open borders. He wants people to be able to go wherever they want, whenever they want, for whatever reason. For him, he sees this immigration policy, this crisis, to further his immigration agenda. That, folks, is part and parcel of the anti-Semitic deep state conspiracy. The same thing that Elon Musk in 2023 is in hot water over for at least a day. She has never apologized for it. She has never acknowledged it. And when she got announced as the new host, all of the incestuous corporate media from 
from Fox to CNN to MSNBC to, to political, circled the wagons and praised her. And yet, Danielle, I'm old enough to remember Raza Eslon, when he had a show at CNN, got fired for calling Trump a piece of shit. And Tiffany Cross got fired from MSNBC for pissing off Tucker Carlson and MAGA folks in Florida. Explain this to me, Danielle. And am I, am I being too emotional right now? From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions, questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that force David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. So first of all, um, watch you came with the full receipts. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh shit, that was not even a deep cut because we were in the in the twenty tens. So wow. Um, second of all, I, I can also throw in another name that was fired from CNN. Uh, Mark Lamont Hill was fired oh, yeah. for his support of Palestine, um, and uh, and let go from CNN. Um, and it is seen uh, that Don Lemon was not let go for his misogyny. He was let go for his last interview with Vivek Ramaswamy, um, where he wasn't going to sit back and allow him to spew racist shit. So what's what's the common thread here? Ah, people of color, shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> otherwise, you will lose your jobs. What's really disgusting to me um, is that what CNN and other mainstream media outlets have done by allowing this revolving door to happen is that they have legitimized places like the Daily Caller as if they are actual news sites and not just far right wing bullshit, right? Like you tell me the difference between the Daily Caller and QAnon. Tell me the difference mm. between the Daily Caller and whatever crackpot uh, right-wing conspiracy, you know, outlet. I don't know what the difference is other than it's well-funded, right? And is made to look like an actual newspaper. Um, 
the reality is, is that Caitlin Collins should have never been allowed to come to a CNN. But now it makes sense. Now it all makes sense to me because I did not know until you told me what her background was. Mm. I assume because she looks really young and is actually young, that CNN was probably one of her first gigs. But to know that she was also handpicked by Donald Trump to be the one to interview him, now it makes even more sense, right? And why Chris Licht would then say to a Donald Trump, go ahead and have fun because you are in good racist company with a Caitlyn Collins. And I will call her a racist because if you went to go work at the Daily Fucking Caller, if you are out there spreading lies about George Soros and talking about open borders, if you are mocking, right, detainees who were abused sexually and physically at Guantanamo Bay, which we've all seen pictures of and have no idea why that is, why that prison is still open, right? You're mocking Syrian refugees. You are a fucking racist, right? Um, and an anti-Semite. So I am now, I'm like, oh, why did they overlook uh, Dana Bash and, uh, and, and John King and, and, all, and all of these other established voices at CNN? Oh, because she is one of, one of the group, one of the white supremacist posse. Got it. And, and CNN never has legitimized her. But has she, she ever ne- been asked? Because no, you mean, see, she, in order she, to it, apologize, you got to be shamed into that. I tweeted something today. Look, my take is this. People, they're young. They make mistakes. They learn from their mistakes. They grow, they evolve. But she's never apologized for it, Danielle. I haven't seen it yet. And no one confronts her over this. And no one within the incestuous media ecosystem does. And can you imagine what would happen if you and I, God forbid, had a history of saying stuff like this? We never get jobs and we'd have to go like Joy Reid had to apologize. She almost got fired. Joy for her post, right? So so she apologized for it. She had a mea culpa. She came out like it all happened. Fine. Great. But there was a a type of reckoning. How do you get to evolve without any reckoning, like any apologies whatsoever? And then how can you sit there and say like, I can't believe that Elon Musk said anti-Semitic stuff. Oh, but by the way, on this own network, (laughs) our new 9 p.m. host (laughs) six, seven years ago was invited. And said it, and we never asked her to apologize for it. It just, it's something inside me, it just, it's, it just sits very unwell with me. As we know that so many of our peers of color have been fired for so less and will never get a chance again, Daniel. That's what bothers me. And I think that it's really important for our listeners to understand that it is really important to understand where you're getting your news and who you're getting it from. And what, it, what does it mean to be a trusted outlet, right? And a trusted voice. And I got to tell you that, you know, you asked the question about what would happen to us. I'm not saying that people can't make mistakes, but a mistake is then, to your point, something that you turn around and apologize for. Right. Something that is brought to your attention that was done wrong, right? Goes against the grain, and then you apologize for it. Uh, as, as, a, as a way to atone and then not to make the same mistakes again. But what I notice with these conservative right-wing voices is that they're never asked to apologize because the wagons are circled. Yeah. These people protect their own. That's right. Then they take, off their, they take off their hoods and their far-right leanings. They move into main, quote-unquote mainstream spaces, but they have the same ideology. Right. So now it is very clear 
I, you know, and I started, I has always been a person that listens, you know, that watches MSNBC, you know, PBS, listens to an NPR, reads the New York Times, you know, I'm diversified in terms of my news. I don't read right wing or watch Fox, but I'm diversified in terms of where I get my news and my sources. And I think that it's just, you have to understand the toxicity that is seeping into our system. And like you said earlier, mainstreaming white supremacy. And it is really dangerous because things that used to have people lose jobs, lose mm. office, are now things that get them more votes or get them promotions, but only caveat if you are white and if you are a conservative. Because even if you are a white progressive and have a misstep, you're done. And just to prove that, and the reason why this is all connected, is this is the week where Ron DeSantis, who still <laughs> nurtures these delusional hopes that he will be president, the wet noodle. This is what he said, Daniel, about the Marine, Daniel mm -hmm. Penny, whom, if, for, for those who listen to our show know, he's the one who put the mentally ill Jordan Neely in a chokehold and murdered him yep. on a New York subway in front yeah. of dozens of passengers, right? Ron DeSantis doubled down on his defense of Daniel Penny this week, saying, quote, we can't have the inmates running the asylum. And specifically, that's how I feel about him as governor. He referred to <laughs> Daniel Penny as a good Samaritan. And so here we are in the year 2023, the mainstreaming of white nationalist talking points, the mainstreaming of white nationalist violence. And it's good to be a white vigilante in the year 2023, Danielle. If you're black, mm -hmm. you can't be mentally ill on a subway, you'll get choked to death. If you're mm -hmm. black, you can't run around your own neighborhood in Atlanta, you'll get lynched. If you're black, you can't sleep in your apartment, the cops will come and shoot you. If you're brown, you're an invader, you're a terrorist, you're a rapist. If you're Asian American, you get bullied and threatened because people blame you for COVID, a friggin' virus that has no ethnicity. And we're allowed to just take it. We're just supposed to take it for both sides. This is the cost that I was talking about. This is why mm -hmm. I, I was so animated, or if you will, emotional, when it came to talking about <laughs> Elon Musk's mainstreaming of white nationalism and even Caitlin Collins not being checked, or at least, you know, asked to apologize for it because you allow this to seep through, like you said, and what happens? It's our communities who bleed as a result. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Yeah, I think that, you know, it is really important now more than ever to be incredibly vigilant, to, you know, amplify the voices that are actually doing the work that have the intention of trying to save our democracy. Because I feel like they see more dollars in the demise. They see more dollars in the support and celebration of white supremacy than they do of preserving our civil liberties and our ability to have a voice. And the lesson, you know, I remember a a while ago, Waj, before I even got into uh, media and I was thinking about it, uh, like thinking about, you know, how to utilize my platform at the time to uh, advocate for marriage equality. And one of my friends um, said to me, no one likes smart black women. So I don't know how far you're going to actually go. And he Mm. said, because the black women who make it right are the Candace Owens of the world. Right. We we have the same Um, thing in our communities. The tokens make it. Yeah. They're the ones that are going to be lifted up and they're, they're the ones that are going to make it. You may make it to a point, but it is going to be very clear. Right. Um, And, you know, oftentimes people will say to you, they'll say to me, they'll tweet at us and say, you need a show on MSNBC. You need a you need a TV show. More people need to hear you. And what I'll say to folks is like, that's your job. You share our pods, you share our tweets, you share our profiles. But the likelihood of you seeing us do anything more than commentary, right, is because there are powers that be and this it's not this is an open known fact there are powers that be that don't want these messages to reach the mainstream right it is part of a larger a larger scheme to keep people as sheep because then you're easier to control we're also because we're allegedly too threatening for the mainstream we apparently are too liberal for the rust belt we apparently don't appeal to the heartland. We are not quote unquote electable. These are all euphemisms for, mm-hmm. hey, black and brown person. Hey, darkie, you're too scary for the coveted white audience that we're chasing. And yet yep. we will end on a positive note because time and time again, it seems that that assumption is being proven to be incorrect. The good news that we have, and we have to celebrate some good news. And I can't believe I'm actually saying this, but folks, You can actually say this because it's true. For the first time in Colorado Springs, a non-Republican mayor was elected in the city. A small business administrator and immigrant from Nigeria, Yemi Mobilade, becomes the first ever, let me repeat, non-Republican mayor elected in the city of Colorado Springs. He defeated Republican Wayne Williams in a mayoral runoff election. All the way in Florida, in Jacksonville, Former TV anchor Donna Deegan beat Jacksonville Chamber CEO Daniel Davis and is the the first woman ever and only the second Democrat, Daniel, to win a mayor's race 
in three decades, despite the Republican outraising her four to one. Jacksonville, folks, is Florida's most populous city. I know folks don't know that, with uh, about almost one million residents. That happened last night. So talk to me, Danielle, about the heartland and about mainstream <laughs> and about those who are electable and about you and me being too ethnic for these white folks. Times, they are a-changing. And the reason why you have the right wing fighting so hard tooth and nail is because they know that they can't stop this train. They can try and slow it down. They can try and take off the tracks, but their policies are not popular. And also adding to that, that the her and the other um, uh, candidate, that dis, uh, the, the two candidates that DeSantis backed in Florida, they lost. Whoopsie. They lost, right? Um, in Florida, right? That is Republican run. And all. these people are running out of a landing strip. They are running out and they know it. So I, I love that you ended with this good news today because it is to remind people that we're fighting and there is progress that is being made. You probably won't hear about it on mainstream media because it doesn't get those clicks that they want, right? Um, but there are people that are fighting. There are things that are happening. Um, and it is all of our responsibility to continue to get involved in any possible way that we can. And, so and folks, some oh, please. Oh. No, I was saying also, uh, I'm not going to put a damper on it, but some some sad news that, like you said, they're running out of landing strip, right? What they did in North Carolina, unfortunately, yep. what also some bad news, I have to mention it right before we leave, is the North Carolina legislature banned most abortions after 12 weeks of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. They did this on Tuesday evening. They voted to override the veto of the Democratic governor, Roy Cooper, and a similar measure is heading to a final vote in Nebraska. But what I tweeted out was, well, you might have just flipped North Carolina blue Republicans because in addition to these little changes, we saw what happened in Wisconsin with uh, mm -hmm. that uh, election of the judge. We saw what happened in Kansas. And folks, it's a good reminder that even though things seem bleak and even though there's this both sides horse race, we have the numbers. And like we've been saying on our show for the past year before the midterm elections proved us right because our curse is that our betting average is very good and we seem to be right, but we're both called crazy. I don't know why. Maybe if we were white, we'd be like brilliant and have like billions of dollars and get paid an insane amount of money for <laughs> consulting. But I digress. Uh, abortion <laughs> rights was a kitchen table issue, like we said. And yep. defensive democracy, democracy was a kitchen table issue. And so what do you think is going to happen in 2024, folks? And that's why I just want to say keep the fight. Keep hope. There's more of us than there are of them. There are more people who want to defend democracy than promote uh, white Christian nationalism and fascism. And it's good to remind ourselves of these positive stories. The fact that a Nigerian immigrant <laughs> is a mayor in freaking Colorado uh, Springs. Who would have thought, folks? God bless America. Who would have thought? Thank you for listening to Democracy-ish. I'm Danielle Moody. I'm Ajatali. And we will be back next week if, in fact, we have a country left. Inshallah. <laughs>